Okay, so it's pouring down rain, and after another run-in with alcohol, stress, over-processed foods, and lack of sleep, you know your immune system is shot and absolutely ripe for being overrun by a bacterial infection. Terrified at this thought, you run in the middle of the night to the office where you work. There, your immune system can recuperate in a totally sterile environment before you then go and expose yourself to a healthy microbiome that supports your health, all in one building. The year is 2050, and things are going to be all right. Today, guys, we're going to talk a little bit about healthy buildings. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. I am your host, Dr. K. Thank you so much for hippity-hopping over to uh, this channel to listen um, if, whilst you are here, you wouldn't mind tapping that follow button or telling a friend, that would just be the best. Uh, but today, what we're going to be talking about is we're talking about this notion of healthy buildings. Um, what do I mean by a healthy building? All that I mean is, is, is this idea that you can either promote the health um, or the wellness of people who spend like 90% of their times in work buildings or any old building um, by either altering or curating the microbiome of the building. Okay, so this is a very, very cool idea. It's, an, it's been around for, for, uh, for a little bit, um, but it's just now, I think, starting to gain a little bit of traction. But where do we start with this? How do we start talking about healthy buildings? Um, the best place to start is by um, re-realizing um, the notion that bacteria are pretty much everywhere, right? And it's also important to note that since there are so many different kinds of bacteria, the fact that, they're, that bacteria are pretty much everywhere naturally means then that there are going to be a bunch of different kinds of bacteria pretty much everywhere. Okay, so every single environment is going to have a ton of different types of bacteria all over the place. Now, it's really easy to think that bacteria are just organisms that are kind of around us and separate from us. But what's actually a little more accurate is the idea that you and I, um, we actually reside in and are surrounded by these diverse bacterial communities that I mentioned a second ago. Instead of envisioning our interactions with bacteria being, um, what's the best, being like on a tabletop where we're over here on one side of the table and the bacteria are on the other side of the table and we're, we're not really interacting or we, we see each other but we don't actually touch. Um, it's more like we are existing in, um, in a cloud or, or like a pool of bacteria. Um, and a lot of the stuff that we do and how we do it, and this is actually really, really important and really, really cool, much of what we do and how we do it is mediated through those bacteria that make up that cloud or pool in which we reside, okay? So again, bacteria, they're all over, and they mediate the way that we interact with our environment. That's a very, very important concept. Now, this ubiquitous nature of bacteria doesn't change just because I'm going in my office right now or because you're in your office or you're in your room right now, you're still in a pool or a cloud of bacteria, um, but it's just different, right? So my office right, has its own bacterial community, and wherever you are, it has its own bacterial community, um, and it's likely that they are different. And both of our rooms are going to have bacterial communities that are different from um, Beatrice's room's bacterial community, right? So every single one of these different environments is going to tends to have a different but very diverse um, bacterial community. Now, what you can do is you can take that 
concept and then couple it with these notions of healthy or unhealthy microbiomes. So just as you can have a healthy or an unhealthy microbiome in your own body, you can also have a healthy or unhealthy microbiome in your room or in your office or in Beatrice's room, right? Bearing all this in mind, um, we've been able to learn a lot about how the communities that surround us and occupy us can influence our health, okay? Now, um, this is probably no more obvious, um, this notion that these different communities can influence our health. This is probably no more obvious than in a place like a hospital, which are, in theory and in practice, places where you go to get healed up and recover from disease. For example, a disease you get from a bacteria. Um, Now, you may be asking, okay, why is this a good example of good and bad bacterial communities? Well, if you go to the hospital, just like your office or your room, you're still going to be entering into a cloud or a pool of bacteria, right? So just because you enter into a hospital doesn't mean that the bacterial pool just goes away, right? It's just it's a different bacterial community, right? Now, normally, that's totally fine. You have bacteria all around you. Just because there are bacteria at the hospital and just because maybe you're recovering from, say, a bacterial infection doesn't make it more dangerous at the hospital. Please note, I am not advocating that you don't go to the hospital. If you need to go to the doctor's office, please go to the doctor's office. Um, But the main point being is that there's different bacterial communities in, in different places. The hospital is no different. Now, the problem with that arises that even though a bacterial community um, typically is good and fine normally at the hospital, sometimes changes in the hospital environment can cause changes in the bacterial environment in which which we reside that make it more dangerous. I'm going to say that again. Just because there's a normally good environment of bacteria, sometimes you can have changes in a hospital environment that cause changes in the bacterial environment that make that bacterial environment more dangerous, okay? And again, this is very dramatic in the hospital where we use things like antibiotics all over the place. Now, a couple of disclaimers here before I keep going down this rabbit hole. First of all, antibiotics are awesome, continue to be awesome, and they will continue to uh, save lives of people every single day. Secondly, I do want to reiterate that this doesn't change the fact that hospitals are awesome and are super necessary, but the problem of a place that uses tons of antibiotics is that since it's always churning out and exposing their environmental bacteria to antibiotics, they can spawn whole groups of bacteria that are antibiotic resistant. Now, the problem of antibiotic resistance is a huge and emerging issue, and it merits at least its own episode. But for the purposes of this discussion, all you need to know about is that in hospitals, since there are so many antibiotics around at different concentrations virtually all the time, there are going to be some bacteria that become resistant to antibiotics, and as a result, can become super dangerous to patients in the hospital, especially those who have a weakened immune system already, right? So someone who's super sick has a weakened immune system. When they come in, it'll be really dangerous for them to be exposed to an antibiotic-resistant bacteria, okay? A really good example of this that you actually may have heard of already is MRSA, M-R-S-A, which stands for Methicillin-Resistant Staphylococcus aureus. Um, Some of you may have heard, or some call it multi-drug-resistant Staph aureus, but the the acronym is the same, MRSA, it goes by. And this little guy is its actually really, really good at developing resistance to antibiotics. And so what can happen at hospitals is that due to these regular exposures to antibiotics, 
regular Staph aureus can become MRSA and infect weakened individuals, which makes it as much, as we mentioned a second ago, is a much bigger problem to treat. Okay? Now, due to problems like this, and due to the overall prevalence of MRSA already, actually, fun fact, it turns out like two in a hundred people carry MRSA, even though it doesn't manifest itself as a disease. Due to the prevalence of MRSA and due to this problem of antibiotic resistance, the CDC declared that MRSA was a serious threat all the way back in 2013. And to be frank, it's still a problem today that we still need to figure out. Now, Dr. K, you say, as you scribble furiously at your notepad trying to keep up with everything else, um, you mentioned something at the beginning about healthy buildings and whatnot. How do you plan on connecting this notion of healthy buildings with MRSA? Well, the first connection... The first connection is that while MRSA was a lot more prevalent in the early 2000s, strong efforts from the healthcare community helped to significantly reduce the prevalence of MRSA infections up until today. And a lot of those efforts had to do with developing sterilized environments where there were no or at least very few bacteria and viruses around. Now, to this day, as we continue to try and battle MRSA and any other types of antibiotic-resistant um, bacteria, um, there's still ongoing efforts to reduce infection by doing two, two fundamental things. Number one, sterilizing environments where appropriate, so like a hospital or a place where people have really weak immune systems. Or number two, cultivating healthy bacteria where appropriate. Let's say you're at an office or in your day-to-day -day life, wherever you are in your day-to-day -day life, by cultivating an environment of or a set of environmental bacteria that encourage human health. Now, one instance of a technology that could help with sterilizing an environment came out from this really recent paper that came out at the start of uh, 2022, um, where a group of researchers at the University of British Columbia and the Okanagan School of Engineering were working on these things called smart windows. Now, uh, what's the point of a smart window? Why do we care about this? Um, in order to understand that, we're going to deviate to a side concept real quick. One way that you can sterilize environments, one way you can kill bacteria or viruses or fungi, or even us, is by exposing them to too much daylight, right? So daylight works by inducing mutation in DNA or RNA um, that prevents bacteria or viruses from effectively dividing or even surviving. That's honestly the same, similar way that it works with us. A lot of skin cancer comes from just mutation from uh, UV radiation. Now, what this means is that it suggests that you could probably sterilize a hospital room that's full of bacteria or at least significantly reduce the bacterial population if you hit it with enough sunlight. Now, wait a minute. Hold your horses there, Dr. K. You say, waving your arms around. Something isn't quite right. You're telling me all we have to do is hit an operating room with some sunlight and then we're fine? That just seems a little too good to be true. Well, you're very smart. You're right. It is never quite that simple. A couple of problems raise their heads right out of the gate. First of all, even if you sterilize the environment, you'd have to prevent new bacteria from coming in. So that's one problem. A second problem is you'd have to figure out a way to control the climate of that room, even though you're just getting direct sunlight in. And thirdly, you'd have to come up with a way for doctors and nurses and patients to not get damaged by the UV light that's coming from the sun. And this is where these smart windows come in. Come in. The researchers at UBC were developing these smart windows, so-called smart windows, which are used to filter out the vast majority of UV light that comes from the sunlight. By filtering out most of that UV light, in theory, this would protect us, the humans, from the brunt of light-based damages caused by the sun, but hopefully give enough damage to bacterial nucleotides, enough to kill the bacteria and sterilize the room. So the final question was, 
did this impact bacterial species in rooms um, that had these smart windows? And they did, in fact, work. So what the researchers did is they put several different types of bacteria, including MRSA, actually, into two different rooms, one that had a standard windows and blinds that reflect all the daylight and ones that used these smart windows that filtered out the UV light but still had residual daylight getting through. And the results were actually incredible. So where the traditional windows and blinds were in place, there were no, there was no disinfection at all since all the daylight was just effectively blocked. However, where the smart windows were installed, <clears throat> a chunk of daylight was still able to get through, which not only which sterilized glass, it sterilized plastic, it even sterilized fabric surfaces. All the bacteria, including the MRSA bacteria, were killed, thus sterilizing the environment. And all of this was done, again, without antibiotics. So what I want you to do is I want you to envision what this would look like then. Instead of relying on scrubbing an operating room or a sick bay or soaking an environment with antibiotics that possibly don't work and might even make it worse, there is emerging technology now that can lead to a full-scale sterilization that doesn't need antibiotics and doesn't require anything but honestly just opening up the blinds. Now imagine blending something like this with cultivation of a healthy microbiome that supports human health. We've gone from a possibly dangerous environment in a building to a building that actively supports your health. Now what we didn't get a chance to jump into today is was what cultivating a healthy microbiome looks like. We just talked about the negative aspect where we're sterilizing an environment, but we're going to have to discuss we're going to have to discuss the positive or additive ways of making a healthy building at another time. But let's take this from the top so we're all clear on everything. Number 1, bacteria are everywhere from your office to the hospital. And we exist in what can be thought of as as a medium of bacteria. Number two, a lot of research is going into curating microbiomes of environments instead of having to play catch up by just killing overgrown bacteria with antibiotic use, which ultimately will just further antibiotic resistance. Number three, curating environmental microbiomes requires negative regulation like sterilization and also positive regulation, i.e. cultivating healthy bacteria. And number four, emerging technology like smart windows can use daylight to sterilize environments in ways that don't use antibiotics or cause UV-related damage to humans. It's a really, really cool story. It's a really cool instance of a new technology that shows ways that we can approach um, a current scientific problem like antibiotic resistance in a new and creative way. Um, but anyway, guys, that's what I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been an absolute blast. Be sure to tune in next week where we are going to be talking about another new and emerging technology related to the microbiome. But until then, this has been another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria with your host, Dr. K. Have a beautiful day, everyone. See ya.